0: welcome to yet another episode of q and we had a busy week lots of cancellations and postponements lots of games but i'm jesse cook Alongside Chillicothe, Adele, and we're here to unpack everything. Let's start off with the sports that we don't spend too much time on, usually. Uh, so softball, they took two of three at UNC. I know they lost two of three at UNC, and they took the dub against Notre Dame. So two of four on the week. Tony Martin, a huge part of that 500 record, a huge part of that success. Home runs in at the Notre Dame, in the Notre Dame game, and at UNC. Then tennis. They lost at Louisville, but they took the W at Notre Dame. Chile, what happened in women's lacrosse?
1: So you had women's lacrosse here against uh, Loyola. They went down to Maryland and they won 18 to six. Men's lacrosse also played against Army. This was here at the Dome, and they could not finish through against number 13 in the ranked Army. They fell 18 to 11. And we have men's soccer, who is playing Albany. They they drew and also they lost. Against BG Bowling Green, yeah, Bowling Green was certainly a
0: tough opponent. We didn't actually get the the, the score updates from that game came pretty late. Remember, I was uh, at the Citrus TV studio until very late, and we were just waiting on those Bowling Green scores. And eventually, we just had to abolish all ideas of putting full screen in the the on the bench show about them because we didn't know what happened. But what we do know happened is in men's basketball, they beat BC. Last Wednesday, 75-67. They beat Notre Dame, also 75-67. But then they lose at Duke, and it's embarrassing.
1: Yeah, I mean... (laughs) We're going to talk a little bit later about uh, Joe's run again, (laughs) as always. But this game was just not good from most measurements. I mean, you had a couple of bright spots. You had... A nice performance from Buddy Boeheim. He's been playing really well lately. Uh, he had a nice uh, week, to generally. Kadari Richmond off the bench, he had 15 points. Uh, Rack Dolezal, he had 13. Griffin had 11. I mean, outside of Joe Girard and some of the guys that saw the floor for Syracuse, I mean, Robert Braswell only had uh, 4 points even though he played 17 minutes. But, you see, this is just, I mean, it's just a thing of not shooting well, right? Put up 69 shots, you only make 28 of them. Now, Duke is a team that's been playing better as the season has progressed, but I mean, this is still a 14-point loss from a team who was gunning for a potential uh, bid to the tournament, and this is how you play. You can't do that. It's really more than a 14-point loss because Duke let them get points
0: back at the end after destroying them by over 20. I mean, we backtracked earlier in the week, Lots of confidence coming off of that BC game where all five starters score in double digits. Lots of confidence coming from that Notre Dame game. Where Quincy Heria, sure he didn't score in double digits, but he got 14 rebounds. Marek Dolezal, 18 points. We haven't seen that kind of production from him consistently in so long. Buddy Beheim, 29 points. Phenomenal. But then things turn the a corner when they play. An actual competitive team. We were we were trash talking Duke last couple of weeks, saying this is the worst Duke team that there's been in 20 years since before the millennium. And uh, well, we we really ate those words.
1: Yeah, I mean, big time. And I guess at this point, there is really isn't any way for the for the season to, to be resurrected after this point. I mean, Cuse's last game. Here, you have two more games against Georgia Tech and against UNC. Uh, That's in the regular season. Georgia Tech, I mean, should be a beatable opponent, but you never know with this team. UNC, of course, that should be another beatable opponent. Uh, If you look at the teams they've lost to recently, they, uh, well, I shouldn't necessarily say that this is a team that Q should beat because they lost to Marquette on Wednesday, but the game before that against Louisville, they beat Louisville 99-54. to So also,
0: also, this kid's team is so inconsistent, you have no idea what's going to happen.
1: That's the thing, you know, and if I'm trying to sit here and draw some parallels to, to the women, we're going to talk about them later, but they've kind of had some inconsistency in their shooting as of late. And... I guess you can see it from the men too, you know? And this is uh I mean, granted this is a team that's been mired at times with all these coronavirus postponements and whatnot, but at the same time, you just don't know you try and you try to have a prediction of what you're gonna know about what's gonna happen, but you really don't know what's gonna happen, especially in this era of coronavirus. I'm gonna blame this all on seasonal effectiveness
0: disorder. Someone on the team, possibly Jim Beheim. Is just down from the snow. He's sad. Someone's sad. That's what's doing this. Cause I the other explanation is that this team just kinda sucks. They might just think the entire the, the entire first half of the season might have just been a clever ruse to dupe us into thinking that we might be have a chance at seeing a Hughes men's basketball team make it
1: even into the round of sixty four. How do you think how do you think this team changes, say we have Barama Sidibe in it the whole time?
0: Well, starters don't have to play as many minutes. Maybe that's maybe that's worse.
1: Like, do you think if Sidibe was in there, we'd be ha- we'd be vying for a 20-minute spot right now? I think there w- would definitely be competition for it, because all the work... I mean, Quincy Gary,
0: we, find, we haven't seen him produce a lot lately. We finally saw him get back to himself this week, but... This man, he should not be carrying the team. Alan Griffin should not be carrying the team. You look at who should be carrying the team. It's Buddy beheim mm-hmm. And when he's not pulling his weight, the rest is left on these two guys to pick up. And when they're playing this many minutes without a whole... With, with no rest between games... Get fatigued. Yeah. It's not gonna... It's not in the cards.
1: Right. You have... You have so many different components to... to and there's so many different questions as to why this team hasn't been... Who they are. You have so many different components to it as well. We talk about Bay. We talk about some guys playing astronomical amounts of minutes every game. You talk about guys who just aren't producing. Uh, you talk about people, say... Joe Girard. Again, I'm mentioning, mentioning his name. But we're going to talk about later as to why he's still starting when I think you do have a better replacement there in, in Kondari Richmond for him. But... Out of the next games we have in the next week for the Orange, this is before uh, tourney time, we have Georgia Tech, and we have UNC. Georgia Tech, I mean, this is a team that can surprise you a little bit. Um, They've beaten Florida State. Uh, That was on January 30th, they last played them. They also came really close to beating Virginia. So this is a team that, uh, and that's both times they played him. Uh, they only lost by eight their last time around, but the first time they played him back in January, they lost by two. You know, So, I mean, Georgia Tech is not, this is a team that hasn't been that impressive throughout the season on the most part, but if you're, if you're big time, they're going to play hard. So, I mean, Syracuse has to watch what they're getting there because they could easily get their butts kicked if they don't have them on the ball. Uh UNC, again, this is a team that, like Duke, like the Blue Bloods in college basketball, haven't looked like they have in years past. And they haven't necessarily been impressive. I mean, their biggest recent win was probably beating Louisville, and that Louisville's a team that hasn't played in a while, so of course they're a little bit rusty, but uh, if you look they lost by twelve to Virginia. That was the last ranked opponent they played. Back on January sixteenth they lost to uh, Florida State by only seven. It wasn't that bad. But this is a team that just doesn't look like they don't look like they usually do. And off that, I wanna try and pose you a question about we talk about these blue bloods of college basketball. Duke, UNC, whatnot. Do you think that the times are shifting in terms of who the blue bloods in college basketball are? Because we've gone from always talking about those teams and and maybe you put a team like Kentucky in there and like Kansas and, and like those kind of like those great teams, great programs that we're seeing all the time. But I mean UNC and Duke have not have not necessarily been that good as of late. You've seen the you've really seen in the past couple of years I see it as a decline in ACC quality, and now you see the Big Ten, who's really come up a, come up in age, um, you've seen the Big East, Villanova, over the past 18, 20 years, has really become a college basketball power, Dan Hurley in Connecticut is trying to build up another program, but do you think at this moment in time, the blue bloods of college basketball are changing? I've got three words for you. Iowa, Gonzaga,
0: and Nova. That's who it's going to be for the, next, for the next while. I definitely think that they're changing. You're seeing recruits steer, steer away from these schools. Duke still has that reputation. They still have that name that makes you think of, wow, Jason Tatum, Zion, Williamson. Oh, my goodness. I mean, UNC, you, you still think of Michael Jordan. But you're thinking less and less of Michael Jordan. You're thinking less and less of Zion and Jason Tatum. And it's not for a matter of recency. It's just for a matter of how did they do when they didn't have their stars? Not so well. Not so well, apparently. And Nova, who, who have they for? Dante DiVincenzo? No. <laughs> you, you don't need a... They don't need a star. You, Iowa... Luca Garza is probably going to be the best thing to come out of that school. I'm not sure how much luck he'll have in the NBA. And then Gonzaga... Uh, exactly. The, the, these are schools that say to players, you don't need to be the most fantastic player in the world. We've got a great team program around you. We want you here because we want to build a team. That's not what you get from Duke and UNC. So... Yeah, I think that it is definitely changing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really exciting to watch. As a semi-fan of Villanova who lives outside the Philly suburbs, I've been pleased to see, too. I've seen more college basketball championships in a a five-year period than I've seen a Sexers championship all my life. (laughs) Absolutely wild. But on that note, let's, uh, let's segue into some women's basketball. So the Orange had two games this week. Uh, one against Virginia Tech, but let's talk about the one last night against the Eagles of Boston College. So they destroyed them uh, 92-75. Five players in double digits. Uh, Stratman had 10. Williams had 15. Maga had 19. Lewis had 14. Emily Anxler with 18 points. And if you look at the percentage of shooting here, so if you shot 52.5% from the field, uh, they were only 34% or 33% from three, excuse me. But this, I mean, if, if you look at this field shooting, I think that makes the difference here. I mean, they missed 10 free throws, <laughs> only 67% from the charity strike. But this 52.5% number, I like it. I just don't know what's contributing to the higher amounts of shooting, whether it was just a good day for them. You know, maybe it's the the, the Gatorade and the, and the and the coolers that they had, but uh, this this is good. You know, I hope they they're able to have somewhat a consistency. Maybe not necessarily shooting uh, over fifty percent, but like keep it in that like 40, 45 number. I'm not sure. I I think we have
0: to take each game with D C with a grain of salt. We've seen it in men's. And I think we're seeing it now in women's that D C is not exactly up to the level of Syracuse basketball. Virginia Tech, we didn't think they were up to the level of Syracuse basketball, but they took that eight-point dub back on the 21st.
1: Virginia Tech, they've, they've been building a program down there. I mean, uh, they're, they've they been one of the, the bigger ACC women's powers as of, as of recently trying to work their way up, and I think now you see... At least we don't know how Notre Dame is going to pan out in the future, but you've seen the little demise of, of Notre Dame with Muffet McGraw stepping down. They're trying to rebuild up a program. Um, they actually got one of Virginia Tech's uh, recruits from a few years ago, Darren Mabry, who now joins her sisters in the legacy there at, at in South Bend. But they've been building up a program too, and I mean, just for the side, this ACC women's basketball conference is going to be, I think it's going to be really competitive as we go forward. Really competitive, and I'm liking what I'm seeing from a lot of these teams. Yeah. Well, co-
0: competitiveness is good for the Syracuse team, and I still like what I saw in the Virginia Tech game. Camila Cardoso and Tiana Mangakahia both scoring 18 points. Both of them producing is a good sight to see. But BC, there's nothing to be you know, there's everything to be proud of in that game. Anna Stroutman, a 10-point. We haven't seen her get double digits a whole lot. Priscilla Williams had a double-double. Manga Kahaya scores ab- above 15 points for the second straight game. Kara Lewis does what she does. And Emily Angsler, back to producing. 18 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 steals, and 2 blocks off the bench. So there's a lot to be proud of in this past week for women's the, basketball.
1: They did not, and, like, like even if you look at the game they lost against Virginia Tech, they didn't shoot horribly, 43%. It's not bad, you know. It's just we were comparing these games to, to teams like Florida State and whatnot, and I don't even think it was necessarily a factor of, like, good defense. It was just I think part of it can be attributed to really poor shot quality, you know. You gotta look for better shots. You gotta look for shots you know you're gonna at least have a, a good chance of making. High quality opportunities. And I think that when you're not taking high quality opportunities, which in a lot of these games, especially a lot of the big games that the women have lost this year, they their shot selection has not been very good. I think you gotta be smarter on your shot selection going forward, and I think that these numbers are, are proof of that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so let's move on to women's ice hockey now.
1: Well, actually, let's preview this uh, women's basketball game, the last regular season game of the oh, season. Oh, yeah, NC State. This is going to be a big one. This one comes up on Sunday. Uh, high noon <laughs> against number four NC State. I mean, there's there's nothing else to, to say except they're, they've been such a good team this year. I mean, they, they have fallen at times. So, it, I won't say it will be a cakewalk. If you look at teams they've lost to, they've lost to UNC, they've lost to Virginia Tech, you know. Um, it's not going to be a cakewalk for NC State. Syracuse, if they play on the ball, if they really play like they're supposed to, like we've seen this team play and we know they can play like, they can carry out a dub here. But, if they're not... if they're not doing the basic things. If they're not making a high percentage of their free throws, you can't miss ten free throws against a team like this. Yeah. And you're gonna have to make almost every single shot from the charity stripe, if not every shot. Um, but this is this is a really good team that in NC State that has some shortfalls as well. So I think Hughes could come on with a win, but then again, it's being on the ball. You have to have all you have to have everything firing on all cylinders.
0: I'm not sure an NC State dub is exactly in in, in, the, in their fortune, but who knows? We've been wrong before, and well, we said that we were wrong about Notre Dame. Maybe, hopefully, we can be wrong about this one, but let's move on to women's ice hockey. They, and,
1: and I think this game right here, right? You know how I talk about street cred? Yeah. This is a street cred game. <laughs> this is a street cred game. <laughs> they win this. I wouldn't say I wouldn't know if you'd put them top twenty-five, but they definitely be have to be on the doorstep of that after this game. This will be a big test. I don't know what streets
0: they're getting they're getting cred on.
1: Is, is it Van Buren Street right here? Uh, what streets? Do Marshall Street, <laughs> Kraus, Slum Street. We'll find it. We'll find it, and we'll tell you. But that's the street cred. All right, now we can get into women's <laughs> hockey. <laughs> yeah, and they they had a good weekend. Yes.
0: Two dubs against Long Island University. Now that's really kind of a a, a, a fake team there, but <laughs> I mean they're they're a real team, but they they're not they're not good. And uh, yeah, women's ice hockey, five two on Friday, five nothing Saturday. Talk about Amelia Van Vliet, the freshman goaltender, the heir to Allison Small, 18 saves in that second game, her first collegiate shutout, first collegiate win was the night before, and again on Saturday. Anna Leishishin. Hat trick. This was a phenomenal weekend. A big a confidence booster. They're going up against Robert Morris, one of the best teams in all of college hockey, in just in just a few hours.
1: Yeah. They needed that. Robert Morris stands at 13-5-1 this season. Um, For Syracuse, I mean, this is going to be a test. We know that this isn't the same team as they were in years past, but... This is going to be a test for them going into the playoffs. Not only to see if they can hang with, with um, Robert Morris and the top teams in the CHA, but if they can feed off of that momentum, and that momentum helps them going into the playoffs. Because here's the thing: in sports, it isn't always about being the best, right? We've seen teams that are not the best in their leagues. And college sports and professional sports rise up to the national championships, whether it's the Super Bowl, World Series, NBA Finals, whatnot. It's about getting hot at the right time. And especially this is the case in baseball. There's a reason why, except for this 60-game season, the Dodgers haven't been able to pull off a World Series win since 1988. Because they're routinely the best team in baseball, but when it comes to around playoff time, they're not necessarily the hottest team. Well...
0: Twenty seventeen, they got beat by cheaters. Twenty eighteen, they got beat by probably one of the great greatest teams in baseball history, and twenty nineteen, they got beat by the you know, destined for
1: glory Washington Nationals. But since say two thousand eight, how many Dodgers teams have like not been a, like at least if not the best among the best in their leagues, amongst the best amongst the best in the MLB since two thousand eight? It's been a long uh, time that the Dodgers have had a decent amount of success. Four years. Four years. Yeah. I mean, I guess 2016, they did They did make it to the N- N- NLCS, but they lost in six games to the Cubs. I'll spot them the, cheat, the cheating from the, the Astros. We don't talk about them here. Yeah. But it, just in generally, talking about being the best team but not carrying through. And, I mean, the Phillies have also went through this as well. I watched it. I watched in 2011, you know, we were the best team in the league. But it didn't end up being so well for us because the teams that were hot at that time, you know, teams that were hot, say, uh, 2010, 2011, they came up there and they won. I mean, you look at the Giants. You look at teams in history. Like the Marlins, their two World Series championships came as wild cards, you know? That's not because they were the best team in the league. That's because they were getting hot at the right time, you know? So it is about... Getting hot at the right time in a way. So, is this Q's team getting hot at the right time? This weekend will show whether they're ready.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the positive outcome of this is if they beat Robert Moore. If they if this weekend goes well, they get to play Robert Morris again in second. Assuming that they beat
1: Lindenwood or or Mercyhurst. Even if they get one win here Morris this weekend, team. I think that's a good sign.
0: Yeah. I mean the the goal of this weekend weekend is to come out on top of Mercyhurst for that higher seed for that three seed mm-hmm. so that you they have to play Robert Morris instead of Penn State
1: twenty second twenty third of January um, Robert Morris beat Syracuse two to one not terrible so I think and that was a worse Syracuse team yeah so I think I think Syracuse has shown a lot of growth since then with a lot of these wins as of late but as also they at at one of their worst points of the season also hung hung tight with this team. Yeah. So it, it's definitely doable, I'd say.
0: Definitely. Now what el- what else is doable is our three minute drill. Chile. We'll give you sixty seconds to start us off, and that sixty seconds,
1: if you're ready, that starts right now. Quote He hasn't he just hasn't played well. That's what's going on. End quote. Those words from Coach Jim Beheim after Monday's Duke game. Beheim was referencing none other than Joe Girard III. This season, the somewhat sharp shooter is averaging 10 points a game and is only shooting 36% from the field. Girard has only scored more than 10 points in 7 of the Orange's 20 games. You would think Girard would come out to play against Duke? Tournament hopes on the line? Nope. He didn't even have a single bucket. So what is going on here? Why is Joe Girard not riding the bench? Jim Bayheim clearly knows that he's struggling. Kadari Richmond is getting more minutes than him already off the bench. So why can't Coach Beheim make the switch? It's an easy one if you ask me. Put in Richmond and sit Joe Girard. People have been saying this since early this season, and I've been saying it a lot recently. We can see it, the fans can see it, and Jim Beheim himself can clearly see it. So what's standing in the way? That's something I'd love to know.
0: That was an impassioned speech there. Now my 30 seconds start right now. And I'm going to have to agree with you. While I do think it's worth it to keep a guy like Joe Girard in the lineup, a guy who's a veteran, a guy who knows the system, a guy who has chemistry with this team, Kadari Richmond has undoubtedly shown that he's already got that. His defense is better. His passing is better. Joe Girard has more assists, but Kadari Richmond is setting up more plays with less minutes. If you follow my Twitter you'll see the pinned tweet says that my account is officially a Kadari Richmond fan account. So (laughs) I think you know where I stand on that one. And my 60 seconds starts right now. I'm going to talk to you about college basketball tournaments as of now. Well, tournaments in general, in, in sports right now. If they're not the ACC, if they're not the... The NCAA tournament. Why are you having them? There are... Look, look, I'm not very stingy on coronavirus re- regulations. I generally f- feel that we should be having more sporting events. We should be getting back to normal quicker. But there's no reason to have the NIT at this point. Who is that going to help? It's not going to get anyone into the big tournament. You're just going to be schlepping players around the country, essentially for no reason, after their season is over. I don't think that... The ACC tournament, unless it's going to, there's going to be some huge upset, no reason to have it. I feel the same way with the NBA All-Star Game. I don't see the point in having it this year. But, look, I'm all for getting back to normal, and I definitely want that. But I don't see the point of things like this this season, especially when getting players around the country is so just so much of a hassle already.
1: Yeah, I mean, as we're starting to get more vaccinations in this country, we're still at the point where we're not done with this thing. You know, I was just I do uh, talking points at Citrus T V and I was on the vaccination beat and we are not gonna reach like ninety percent uh herd immunity until like December. You know, we're still a long time away from that. So I think the more you can try and minimize some of these tournaments, you can. But you know what's probably you know what's probably the thing behind it? These owners and commissioners want to make money. These tournaments are moneymakers for them, and that's why they're going to try and keep them going. It's sad, but that's what the truth is. Yeah. I mean, that, that's
0: a major part of it. Although, I generally feel like it's a waste of money at this point. That, well, that's, that's here's the thing. The, the, fans,
1: the fans aren't coming in, right? But the thing is, the TV deals are just so lucrative that these guys are still getting paid anyway. And many of these contracts are guaranteed unless there's, like, no sport at all, you know? Like, if you even think of, like, March Madness in general, it's like, the NCAA, would they be able to survive without two years of, of money from Turner and CBS for their, for their TV deal? They would not be able to survive all, without getting that. That's their biggest moneymaker every single year. So, yeah. they, they needed that, and that's why they're going to try and have it this year.
0: Yeah, that, that's their biggest moneymaker by a long, long way. But right, the, the biggest moneymaker for Syracuse this past week did not come from a tournament. Came from the softball field. Tony Martin, fantastic. We talked about her earlier. Two home runs, two games to kick off the season. Five RBIs throughout this first set. Tony Martin, three-run homer against Notre Dame. Dang. That was phenomenal. I didn't, I didn't get to watch that live, but you watch the video of it back. That was a moonshot. And then next day, another solo home run against UNC. She's looking really good this season. Yeah. Tony Martin, she's our player of the week. She was fantastic.
1: And we have our final words for this week. And the word that I'm going to choose. It, it's a stark contrast to what I just said about Tony Martin. Yes, it's meaningless. And it is <laughs> to describe. Essentially, the rest of the Syracuse men's basketball season, um, you can write your gravestone and put 2020-2021 Syracuse men's basketball season, has at this point, it is pretty much meaningless and means nothing. I mean, I don't see any single way that this team could inch their way into the NCAA tournament. There's not enough statement games left in the season. You're going on to an ACC tournament. I don't see Syracuse winning that, which they would probably need to get into the tournament. So, the rest of the season, by me, has been rendered meaningless.
0: So with that, I think we might have to start calling you the Raven, because that was very Edgar Allan Poe of you. There's never more.
1: Well, you just made, you were there with your Poe type thing on that baseball rhyme a few weeks ago. That was cheerful. Oh, that was more. call me Robert still, Frost. You can call me Shakespeare. Still had like the the flow just seemed very poish. Oh. I don't know.
0: Call me Tolkien for that one. I'll take it. <laughs> that you, you were. Yeah, I mean, that was a sonnet. That the, you were just. I was just morose. Yeah. I mean, I'm morose about it too. But at least I'm I'm, I'm writer writer <laughs> about it. All
1: but, right. Uh, with that, that is the end of this. Episode I believe episode thirteen of episode Lucky number thirteen. We are moving through the ranks now. So thank you guys for listening as always. We are on Fridays now because I don't know. Wednesdays are just a really busy day for us. And the days leading up to that are really busy. So we thank you for adapting with this change and we'll keep on putting out new content every Friday. But for Chilacasi Deli, that's me and Jesse Cook. We will see you next Friday. Where we'll have a more stuff.